Welcome to My Two Cents with host J.R. Robinson and co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich. Are you on track for a secure retirement? If things go badly in the markets, will my nest egg still last? How do changing tax rules impact consumer savings and spending strategies? How do I know my financial advisor is competent and ethical? How do I organize my financial life? We'll answer important personal finance questions like these and so much more. And we'll do it in a way that makes a dry, arcane topic engaging and entertaining. And now, here are your hosts, JR and Jessica. Welcome to the inaugural broadcast of My Two Cents. I'm Jessica Wani Rich, and I am absolutely delighted to be here today with my co host, J.R. Robinson. He is the owner and the founder of Financial Planning Hawaii, and he's also the co-founder of the software maker Nest Egg Guru. J.R., I know you are as excited as I am to get this show going. What do you have to say? All right. Thank you, Jessica. Yes, I, I am very excited. Um, first, I would like to extend a warm aloha to however many listeners who have happened to stumble upon our inaugural show today. Uh, we are blessed to be broadcasting from beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, and I would also like to extend a big mahalo to you for accepting my offer to co-host. And for the, uh, for the benefit of our audience, Jessica has a wealth of experience in radio and TV, both as a producer and as a program host. Currently, Jessica is the host of Inspire You and Me on KWHE TV Channel 14. And local listeners may also know her from her role as the president and CEO of the Visitor Society of Hawaii, or VASH for short. Um, now, Jessica, I've seen you on the news quite a few times over the past few months as VASH has stepped in to help make sure visitors to Hawaii understand and adhere to our state's extraordinarily strict quarantine rules. And I know that in some cases, this has meant helping violators of the rules understand that aloha can also mean goodbye. So uh, anyway, thank you for all you do for our beautiful state. Um, I know we're all looking for the end of this awful pandemic and to uh, a time when we can return to the vibrant tourism that supports our local economy. So anyway, I'm so grateful to have you here to help me out with this gig. Um, I, I've always wanted to see if I could make a radio show work. Uh, I think we have a really great concept here. But uh, as I told you, the, the idea of hosting a show solo where I'm literally talking to myself for an hour seemed terrifying to someone who has absolutely no prior radio experience. So when you interviewed me for Inspire You and Me, you made me feel so relaxed and so comfortable and the conversation flowed so easily that I was pretty sure you'd be a perfect compliment to my two cents. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to do this with you and uh, yeah, let's get it running. Well, thank you, JR, for that wonderful introduction and let's get right into it. You are a financial planner and the name of this show is My Two Cents. That's a pretty catchy title and it's kind of a little bit edgy What's the common theme of the show, Jr.? So yeah, um, it, well, I chose the phrase "my two cents" because um, a major theme of the show is to share unambiguous, opinionated, uh, sometimes controversial views on important trending topics in in personal finance and financial planning. And although um, I'd say it's it's been a a long, long time since I was in college, but to give an idea for the background of the show, 
Um, one of the most valuable skills that I gained from my experience at a small liberal arts college in New England was critical thinking. And that skill has served me very well throughout my career. Um, and there are, in terms of how it applies to the show, there are so many different strategies and different ideas that are being promoted to the investment pub, investing public um, in multiple media formats all the time. And what I wanted to do in this show is present the concepts um, and explain how I apply critical thinking skills to um, evaluate them and from my work experience in that. And, and so we'll talk about the merits of, of different strategies. And as our listeners will learn, um, I'm passionate about financial planning. And, and part of the reason for run, wanting to run this show is I'm a zealous advocate for consumers. So you'll find that some of my views may challenge the existing orthodoxy, but as long as I can support those positions, um, I'm not afraid to shy, I, I really don't shy away from controversy. So simply put, the purpose of this show is to offer my two cents. And your two cents is worth a million dollars as far as I'm concerned. You are worth far more than two cents. In episode one, I mean, actually the title of this show is Financial Planning with an Edge. What did you mean by that, JR? So, um, yeah, the idea is it's an edge because there are there are concepts that are accepted as as conventional wisdom, and sometimes they're they're pretty good and they're pretty functional, and other times they're just not. There are uh, are things that are there are concepts that are dated. There are concepts that are being promoted by people who have an agenda. Um, there are people who are, are concepts that are promoted by people who have um, their own self interest or profit interest, and. Um, and I, I actually, I want to opine on all of that stuff. My, my, the, everything in the show is going to be from the perspective of knowledge that the consumers should know. Um, and so it's, and I think this, in fact, the second issue, the second episode, the next one after this one is going to be called how the sausage is made. And I'm basically going to be explaining to people all the things they should work, watch out for, understanding people's perspectives in, 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 in when they're giving an opinion and, um, and and you know give an unvarnished view of how everything works. So uh, that's a pretty catchy title. How the sausage is made. <laughs> I've tried. To, you know, it's funny you should mention that because one of the yeah. you know we're, financial planning it's, itself can be dry and, and arcane, and not everybody wants to to yeah. If we just said it's the today's show is about tax rules, I don't think you get a lot of people as as many people as I think will want to listen. So mm -hmm. all of the shows are, are you know, really, you need to have a little bit of an edge to encourage people to want to listen to it. And, um, and, the, and because it is a little bit controversial, uh, every show has a title like that. So, um, you know, I, I, they're, uh, how the sausage is made is, a, is, is obviously catchy, attractive, but nobody wants to sit here and read me, have me read about IRS code or estate planning law or something. So um, no, this show isn't going to be that. It's, it's you know, the, the stories that we'll be sharing will be um, from my own long experience. And, and I, it's easier to explain things through storytelling than it is through reading rules. And it makes it engaging. It makes it entertaining. It's fun for me to do too. So um, that's what yeah, we're and coming from. Yeah, and thank you very much, Jr., for not spending the whole show reading the IRS tax code. <laughs> <laughs> much appreciated. But how do you see my two cents being different from other finance talk shows? Great question. So, um, I think we're both in agreement that uh, our motivation for doing this show is 
really that we're really just doing it just for fun. Um, I know you're you're co-hosting with me because you have a passion for radio. And, um, you know, for my part, many people along the way have told me that I have um, a radio voice. And, and a lot of people have also told me I have a radio face, but that's totally different. But, um, <laughs> but I, you're, also good on TV. <laughs> you're very kind. Uh, but I've always wanted to see if I, if I'd be any good on the air, if, if, uh, because it is such a compelling medium for sharing information. And I've, I've here and there heard other talk shows that I find are compelling. Just wanted to see if I could do it. There's so the other side of it, there really isn't any big profit motive here. We're not, you know, I'm not selling a book. It's not a, there's no self-help strategies. I'm not, you know, I, I run a, I, obviously I own Financial Planning Hawaii, but just so that everybody knows, it's a mature practice. We're not even taking any new clients. So there's not, I'm not doing this to build up my practice or anything like that. I, it, the only confession I will make is I will make from time to time, I'll make a shameless plug for Nest Egg Guru, my software company. Um, but it's, that's not even available to consumers. My only thing I'd ask is for any listeners, um, Nest Egg Guru is a great, great software to be used for financial advisors. Encourage your financial advisor to do a Google search for Nest Egg Guru and check it out. So that's, that's my first shameless plug. But beyond that, there's, I don't really have any pro, um, profit motive from the show. It just seems like a fun thing to do. I'm, I, I think there's a need for financial literacy in, in the United States and the format that we're sharing information, I think will lend itself well to that, where it's not just, you know, the problem with the financial literacy is there's lots of material for financial literacy, but I think people don't get that concept that people just don't want to read a lot of text. And if you present financial planning concepts in a way that is dry, it's just not, people just won't tune in. People, people will actually literally tune it out. So um, we want to give a program that, that educates consumers, and, and I'm excited to do that. Really, it is, it's my way to give back, and I, I just this is a fun project for me. So, um, so that's what I think makes it different from other, other talk show hosts. We're, there's no other agenda other than for us to have a good time and for us to see if we can um, you know, help educate the, the listening audience. I'm glad that you brought that word educate into this the show right now, JR. Yes, I'm here for fun, but I'm also here because I think what you're doing and a benefit to our listeners is that they are going to learn so much about their personal finances because of the wealth of knowledge that you have to offer. What a great time for a show like this to, to come on the air, to help consumers to better manage their money and also see their money grow. Now, what, what exactly are the goals for the show, JR? So, yeah, I, I think, I think that um, the first goal really is to educate and inform consumers. And um, yeah, I, said, I said in the intro, there's, there's so much yes. misinformation that's being fed to consumers. And, and sometimes I'll see it on, on, on the news, I'll read it, read it in the, in the news. And it's just, sometimes it just makes my stomach turn. Um, and I really wanted to step up. Like I said, that's, that's why that next episode is how the sausage is made. I mean, people need to understand the incentives that financial advisors have. They need to understand how not everything is free when you know, there's a huge segment of the population that's DIY. And I, I, um, and I totally support that, but there's also so much that's being presented to those audiences that make them think that everything is free when it's really not there's you need to understand how everything works nobody nobody does anything for free when it comes to um you know financial institutions so um so i the, you know those are the goals are so really uh, and it, also i think um in terms of the those rules that nobody wants to know I, there are 
I realized a long time ago that one of the greatest benefits of a financial planner is not that they have access to stocks and bonds and mutual funds, because you can get that anywhere. You don't need a financial advisor to do that. It's, you know, it's they're commodities. But the biggest value a financial planner can provide is, um, you know, there's so many little rules and the knowledge of those rules um, makes a difference. Can, if you can save somebody twenty or $30,000 because you know a little rule, that's just as valuable as making them money. So, um, so part of what I want to do is to present is to show people the practical applications of that knowledge. It's the, the really the low hanging fruit in financial planning is to show people, uh, expose people to those rules, all those arcane rules in a way that's engaging and entertaining. So I'll do that by using real life examples and, um, and, and use that as the tool for educating people rather than just explaining the rules. And there's nothing better than real life examples. Now you use an acronym. I know what it means, but there could be some listeners who do not know what DIY means. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, DIY means do it yourselfer. Do it yourself. Yes. <laughs> and there are a lot of people out there who are doing that. And sadly, some of them are also losing a lot of money. And that's why you're here. Why don't you explain to our listeners your background and tell us more about your qualifications as a financial planner? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, one thing I, I will be careful of on this, I'll tell you um, to any listeners, I actually am, I, I don't throw shade on, on DIY investors. In fact, from a financial planning perspective, I have uh, regularly have clients who are who hire me for a one-time second opinion or 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 review. They are do-it-yourselfers. They are, often aren't even looking for investment advice. And, and honestly, the investment side isn't even rocket science. I respect a lot of people, and people have gotten much more sophisticated and knowledgeable in the last ten years, anyway. Um, so uh, there are a lot of people who are totally capable of managing their investments themselves. But people will hire a financial advisor to get a second opinion and to maybe introduce them to things that they haven't seen before. Um, or just you know concepts that they weren't simply weren't aware of. So um, you know the the show is intended to to be attractive to people who are DIY investors as well as people who already work with financial advisors. No, that's no 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 different right? differentiation there. Um, so in terms of my my own background and qualifications, um, as I mentioned in the beginning, my academic background began at a little New England uh, liberal arts college, uh, Williams College in Western Massachusetts, and um, where I, I gained a, a BA in economics uh, there. And it was funny because my senior seminar at Williams was in the fall of 1987, and it was on the stock market. And do you remember what happened in the fall of 1987, Jessica? Jog my memory. <laughs> okay. So that was the time when... Um, Michael Milken was a big name. And, oh, yes. Okay. And Drexel Burnham Lambert and Ivan Bosky. And on October 19th, 1987, this, and I was in a, my senior econ seminar in the fall of that year was on the stock market. The stock market dropped 25% in one day, Black Monday, the stock wow. market crash of October 19th, 1987. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, but that was a fascinating time to be getting my first exposure to the stock market. So- it was the single largest one-day drop in history, um, and it was caused by program trading of all things at the time. But it was that was so. But my that's my academic underpinnings, and really the education that I got in terms of finance at Williams was remarkable. This I I had no idea that I would end up doing what I'm doing today, but that um, the exposure to so the academic principles that are still still exist today, and I'll, I'll mention just things like random walk theory, the efficient market hypothesis, um, things that draw that that we were taught in 
you know, index fund investing, things like that, things that we were taught back in 1987, they're still the foundation of my investment philosophy today. Um, it's evolved more to incorporate things like behavioral finance, but, um, but I'm, that, was, that was real powerful academic exposure to eco econometrics and statistics. It was really powerful and I, I'm really glad I ended up being an econ major. Um, so that was the academic under, underpinning. Um, the, I've been in, in the industry now for 31 years. Um, the first 20 of those years, I spent working as a financial advisor at, at three large investment firms. I started out at AG Edwards and Sons. Um, and then when I moved to Hawaii, I uh, went to Smith Barney, um, which became Citigroup when I was there. And then in 2003, um, I, I moved over to the independent channel of Wachovia Securities, which was shortly thereafter acquired by Wells Fargo. And then about 11 years ago, I decided I had actually enough of the big corporate world, um, really was not into the corporation's self-interest and the bureaucracy. So I left to set up my own shop, which is Financial Planning Hawaii. And, um, and JR, when we come back from a break, we're going to hear more about your company. And uh, so stay tuned. There's a lot more coming up right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nest Egg Guru makes affordable software for financial advisor websites to help advisors better educate and engage with their clients. Consumers today no longer wish to receive book-length so-called financial plans that they'll never read after leaving their advisor's office. Instead, they want to be educated and to participate in the planning process. The three Nest Egg Guru planning apps help address your greatest financial fear. If things go badly in the markets, will I still be okay? Tell your financial advisor to step up his or her game at nesteggguru.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are listening to my two cents we'd love to hear from you on the program today call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 if you'd rather send an email the email address is info at fphawaii.com now back to my two cents here again are your hosts jr robinson and jessica lani rich We're back talking with J.R. Robinson. And J.R., tell us more about your 31 years and your in the finance industry and also more about your qualifications. Oh, thank you, Jessica. So, um, yeah, uh, to get uh, back to where we were, um, 31 years, uh, it, that's, um, I like to think of it as experience. Um, other people say it makes me look ancient, but um, it, it is what it is. So um, in terms of my qualifications, um, I've published a bunch of papers in peer-reviewed journals uh, on a wide range of financial planning topics. Uh, three of the best-known ones were papers that won awards on retirement income sustainability, which has been one of the hottest topics in financial planning for you know, most of the last 20 years. Um, I've also written more than 100 articles uh, and op-ed commentaries that appeared in all kinds of publications. And I'm fairly regularly cited in the financial newsletter, uh, news media. Um, just about, I think I've been quoted just about every one anyway. Um, and 
because I've been so prolific and, and, and part when I say prolific, and I've, all this isn't, I hope it doesn't come across as condescending or, or, or bragging. The reason I mention all of this is the reason I write so much is that I'm passionate about it. This is what I, I, I found a career that I love and I write about it because I, I'm just, it helps me stay engaged and, and I love doing it. So um, because I have been so outspoken and because I've been so prolific, Investopedia uh, twice put me on their list of the top most 100 uh, most influential advisors in America. And, uh, you know, I always have to be doing something to stay, to just to, to keep my passion fueled. Uh, most recently, that what I've, I've, I've been immersed in research uh, about the demographics of financial advisor misconduct, which is a fascinating topic. And it's going to be a topic in one of our future shows, too. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually surprisingly an unexplored topic in um, financial planning. There isn't that much research done on it, but it's, uh, it's really interesting. And, um, you know, other ways that I, in terms of my qualifications other, or experience, other things that are relevant, you know, part of my passion for retirement planning research and, and you know, the biggest question that people want to know, especially as the baby boomers started to reach uh, retirement age in, in the early 2000s, um, part of, you know, everybody wants to know is how long will my money last or will I have enough or will I run out of money? So um, that also led me to, to uh, co-found Nest Egg Guru, which was, that was actually that software application um, and the three, now three applications, but um, that was born out of those research papers where the objective was to, um, you know, use a methodology, a, a common methodology used in academia to help people, you know, estimate how long, money would last. We use a simulation methodology called bootstrapping. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I mentioned that because it's, I've always got to be doing something right now. It's this radio show, but it's the, hopefully the passion, my passion for this profession comes through. And hopefully I've been around long enough to, um, to have some valuable experience and some, some education that I can, I can share with our listeners. So um, anyway, that's, that's my passion. And your software program, that's mostly for financial planners, correct? Correct. Correct. So um, the idea and part of the reason I founded it, it um, for, for wanting to found it was that um, I most financial advisors apply uh, or uh, subscribe to back end financial planning software that's pretty sophisticated. Um, and it retire, requires gathering a lot of information from the client and then inputting it into a computer. And, um, you know, the software runs the application, then spits out what typically is a book about 50 pages long. And, it, and in the old days, we used to call that the financial plan. And it really isn't a plan. It's basically a snapshot in time. And in many cases, that document would become obsolete really quickly. But the problem with doing that is that one, when I was presenting that, and if people still do this today with these applications, they're, they're very good. They are sophisticated. They have a place. But when you're going over it with a client and they see 50 pages of jargon, um, sometimes their name might be embossed on the cover of it to make it look fancy. But the when you see that, you can kind of see people's eyes glow over. And even if they're riveted at the time, um, what I noticed a couple of times when clients would bring me back the analysis that I'd done for them, and this is in the early 2000s, I'd find like little circular water stains on the on the document, which showed me how they really used it. They weren't reading it every day. They oh. were using it as a coaster. So, oh my God. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I wanted something that could be run iteratively, where you could run it with the client um, so that they could actually participate in the planning process. And, and it's sort of, you know, the timing of Nest Egg Guru really evolved into a, actually a real client-facing software that we can sell commercially um, 
That's only in the last few years. But over the last decade, consumers have become a lot more sophisticated. And I think and and consumers want to be educated. They want to be participating in the prying process. They don't want to just be given a, a book. Um, so Nest Egg Guru was designed to be built into other financial advisors' websites so that the, so that the financial advisor with the client, either in, in a meeting in their office or or a Zoom call, um, that they could actually you know, show the client, you know, okay, let's change this variable and see how that affects your, your finances. It gives them the, the consumer, you know, they can see easily how they have control over what the outcomes may be. So we created it for that reason. Um, and I think it's like the timing is pretty good because people are, are starting to demand that from, from consumers. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's it's. But our subscribers are exclusively financial advisors. If anyone out there wants to see what it's like, it's actually built into my website. Uh, it's usually I tell the financial advisors build it in with a, a compelling call to action. Um, and so on mine, I think it says, um, "Are you on track?" Um, some some websites says, "Will I have enough?" Or um, you know, "Will you will you outlive your money?" Or things like that. So, uh, but that's the whole idea is that that's something that everybody cares about. And it's an easy way to make it in the client engaged and educated. So a lot of what I'm doing is try to help educate consumers. And that, that was one for it too. So if, um, the, the, so that's nested guru anyway. And correct me if I'm wrong, JR, but in our shows, you will be talking about in one of your many shows, uh, retirement planning so that our listeners can get a glimpse of some of your knowledge that you're going to be sharing with them. Um, definitely. Yeah, it, it, we'll probably touch on that in a couple of shows. Um, I know um, one of the ones that I'm excited to do at one of the early shows, um, we're going to be doing a show on um, the FIRE movement, the uh, Financial Independence Retire Early movement. And that's all about, uh, that movement is all about um, retirement income sustainability, uh, particularly for people who are retiring at well below the normal retirement age. So um, it, that definitely touches on that. I, and in, I've written, because I've written a bunch of papers on retirement income sustainability and got the software application. Um, I've actually had to read a lot of other research papers on it too. So it's a hot topic and it's, and it's a very, very, it's probably the number one most important topic to consumers is which will last longer, me or my money? And, uh, or, if, or, or put another way, if things go really badly in the investment world, uh, will I still be okay? Will I still have enough? So we'll be talking about that in future episodes for sure. And again, I want to, there's lots of academic research and I want to convey it in a way that makes it easy for people to listen to it too. So um, yeah, we'll definitely be talking on that topic. Yeah, and I think you definitely do that. And it seems like every month I am reading somewhere. Now you mentioned about people retiring early that the question of social security, should I collect it earlier than when I retire or should I wait until what the age of, I guess, 70 is when you can collect full retirement. And so that question keeps popping up all the time too, as well. Yeah, I, I actually haven't, I don't think I have a show right now that's devoted to social security planning. Uh, we certainly could do one and maybe it's, you know, if this, if we're fortunate enough that people actually like to tune into this show and are and finding that content engaging, then, um, you know, hopefully we'll go beyond the 13 shows and I definitely would do a program on that. But social security is an interesting topic. I'm not going to go into it too much today, but the rules keep changing too. So, um, you know, a couple of years, uh, in 
just to get to your point, people can claim Social Security as early as 62, um, but the benefits will be significantly reduced from when they were, if they were to claim at full retirement age, which depending on when you're born, but if you're born, um, you know, in, after 1954, I think it is um, at full retirement age is, uh, or maybe 1960, not fresh in the top of my head, but um, full retirement age is age 67. For me, born in 1966, full retirement age is 67. Um, and then you, if you defer and, and, and don't, don't claim Social Security until age 70, you can also get, um, you know, your benefits will be higher than if you claimed it's at, at, at full retirement age. Um, and then beyond age 70, there's no incentive to, to go beyond that. But you know, the decision to when you claim depends on a number of factors. Um, there were some great rules that allowed people to, to maximize Social Security benefits that um, uh, basically uh, went away a few years ago. It's, it's, they applied to anyone who was born be, uh, for couples, but be, were born before 1954. Um, but the rules are changing all the time, and it's a complex subject. Um, so uh, yeah, hoping that along the way, maybe we'll get some call-ins on that topic or something like that. And maybe we'll do a full show on it where I'm better prepared to talk about that subject. But, um, but maybe in, uh, yeah, maybe we'll work that into a, one of our programs. Now, JR, since you are a financial expert, a professional financial planner for many years, as we were just talking about, what's the difference between financial planning and investing? So, um, I guess uh, the way I'd say is this, there, are, uh, I think there's a common mis it's one of the common misperceptions that people equate investment planning with financial planning. And in fact, um, part of the reason that perception is, is, uh, pervasive is that there are a lot of, um, financial advisors who present themselves as financial planners, but really all they're doing is portfolio management. So it's, uh, it's in, in it's all about investing. Um, really, from you know, from my perspective, financial planning um, and investing. Investing is actually a subset of financial planning. It's an element of financial planning, and it's an important one. Uh, but it's not the only one. And I I would say maybe it's in terms of importance, it's hard to it varies from person to person. But maybe it's half of the half half of the importance of comprehensive financial planning. Um, so. And I would say that the investment portion of it, where everyone emphasizes, everyone focuses on that. But I will tell you right off the bat, it is not rocket science. Um, there are, you know, it helps to know some rules and there are some, you know, some, some tools that you can use to enhance it. But really, at the end of the day, um, building an efficient investment portfolio uh, doesn't need, you don't need to pay a lot of money to an advisor to do that well. Um, that's part of, that should be part of the financial planning process and part of the financial planning um, arrangement, but it's not the most complicated part. Um, other important elements of financial planning um, include topics such as tax planning, and that's often a great way to provide value to people, understanding the tax rules, um, estate planning, um, insurance risk management is an important element of it. Uh, sometimes qualified retirement plan rules and IRA rules, this is an important part of of of, um, of it. And, um, uh, you know, some of the, some of the best financial planning ideas I've gotten have come from going through, uh, clients, employee benefits handbooks and just finding opportunities they weren't aware of or, or finding mistakes that they've made. All of that is financial planning, you know, beneficiary designations, how you title your assets, liability protection, even emergency and disaster preparedness. These are, uh, all elements of financial planning and they are all valuable. 
And um, you know, it's, it's usually those areas that where the clients have less knowledge. And that's usually the area where we can provide the most value. Um, it's not that the portfolio management, we don't provide value, but that's, you know, that's, that, that's not the only thing. So comprehensive financial planning should incorporate a, a, a lot of those different elements. Now, JR, let's go a little bit further into something you just said. You said that when you're reviewing some of your clients, uh, some of their like their background or some of the investments that they may have or retirement planning or whatever, that in the past you have actually found money for them or you have found uh, gold, <laughs> for lack of a better word, but you because you're of your research and because of your passion, as you said, for helping your clients, you've, you've found them things. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, it, it, it is true. I, I think um, on our, on the interview that you did for me for the, yeah. for inspire you and me, um, you, you asked me what fuels me. Right. And, and I, yes. and I told you, it's actually part of a big part of my passion for personal financial planning is that I approach it from the perspective of it's a treasure hunt. So people are paying me to do their financial planning for them. And I always say that, you know, there's a lot of talk about the fees that financial advisors and financial planners charge. And it's, I always say it's not, it's never the fee if you're getting value for it, but it's the responsibility of the financial planner to prove that they're worth the money that you're paying. And so I always you know, tell people, um, especially when I'm doing these one-time financial plans for people, it's like, if I, if I don't show you something in, in, and your plan that actually saves you money, you don't have to pay me. Um, but I'll, I've never had anybody who's not paid me yeah, because there's always, you always find something. And it isn't, and I always tell you, it's not that, it's not that um, I'm smarter than, I've got clients who are much smarter than I am, um, it, but it's actually just years of experience in being exposed to different things that people wouldn't, or, or concepts and rules that people wouldn't be exposed to on their own. Um, that that's the accumulated knowledge that adds that value. But um, yeah, just to, to give you um, one simple example, and we're, I'm going to have a whole show, I think, devoted to little mistakes and things that we've caught along the way. But just to give you an example of one simple example, um, and it's actually, I'm, I'm thinking of making it the title of a, of a book that I've, well, like everybody, I've always wanted to write a book and, and I haven't gotten to it yet, but I've, I've put down some notes in a couple of chapters, but the title of the book is I think going to be 40,000 reasons. And it's the, the whole idea is that w what's the value of, of um, having a financial advisor. So the example that I was using for that, for the title of the book was I had a client who was planning to retire. He'd been a long, he'd been a client for a long time, but he was planning to retire and he was planning to retire on December 31st. And um, he had been, because he'd been, uh, he enjoyed what he did for a living too. He's a professor at a university. He loved teaching. And so uh, he was retiring. He was 76 years old. He retired. He could have retired much earlier and simply loved doing what he did. So, um, and because of that, um, he could continue to contribute to his retirement a, a, a plan through the University of Hawaii. And, um, and if you're still working, there's a rule called the still working exception. Um, you can uh, contribute to a plan after, in the, those days it was age 70 and a half, now it's age 72, uh, without having to take a required minimum distribution from your retirement account. So he was still working and still contributing to the plan. Um, so what he didn't realize is if he retired on December 31st, he would have to take a distribution from the plan for, the, for that tax year 
um, by April 15th of the next year. And you would have to take another distribution for that same year in that year. So you'd have to take two distributions, where if instead he just retired on January 1st or January 2nd, the first business day after the new year, he would only have to take the required minimum distribution for that year. And in his case, that would have saved him about $40,000 in tax. Wow. One, one, it's, it's nothing. It's a little tiny rule. You wouldn't, you know, most people simply wouldn't know it. It's, it's not, once you know it, you know it. It's, you know, it's not, it's not like it's anything that's a secret sauce or anything, but the ability to pull from lots of myriad little rules like that to, to be able to apply them to real client situations. That's the value. And there's, uh, you know, part of the show is going to be sharing a lot of those experiences with you. Uh, that's the treasure hunt. When I can, the gratification you get from catching mistakes like that is what, keeps me juiced for doing financial planning. It's how you can stay passionate after 31 years of doing that. That is a great story. And we're going to have more great stories with J.R. Robinson right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Nest Egg Guru makes affordable software for financial advisor websites to help advisors better educate and engage with their clients. Consumers today no longer wish to receive book-length so-called financial plans that they'll never read after leaving their advisor's office. Instead, they want to be educated and to participate in the planning process. The three Nest Egg Guru planning apps help address your greatest financial fear. If things go badly in the markets, will I still be okay? Tell your financial advisor to step up his or her game at nesteggguru.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to My Two Cents. We'd love to hear from you on the program today. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is info at fphawaii.com. Now, back to My Two Cents. Here again are your hosts, J.R. Robinson and Jessica Lani Rich. We're here with J.R. Robinson, financial planning expert, and he is about to tell us a lot more about how you can be really savvy with your finances. J.R., is there any financial planning advice that you can give to people? Um, sure. And and not just um, there's financial planning advice I can give to people, and there's also, I think, um, financial planning advice that you can give to people during these extraordinary times too. And, yes. um, and, uh, I guess I, 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 uh, to address the, the times first, I mean, one of the, the tricky things, I mean, it's about the timing of this show, even, I mean, we're talking about financial planning. We're talking about, you know, how to not run out of money in retirement. The, the sad truth is that at this moment in time, there are literally millions of Americans who have lost their jobs uh, due to the pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, my, I, I want to make sure that it comes across that people know that um, 
I can't begin to understand the stress and the anguish that people are feeling through this. Um, so it's not all, you know, obviously the investment world has been doing just fine, but, um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that so many people have been hurt by this environment. Um, and so to address that, you know, I'm not sure how much is, yeah, I'm, I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but in terms of, from a financial planning perspective, and this maybe applies to everyone, but the best advice I can give and dealing with times like this is, is if, if, especially if you've been really affected badly and it's really super stressful is to, to don't bury your head in the sand. Um, the way to address extreme times is to begin by having a thorough detailed understanding of where you stand and that where you stand may be how bad it is, but in order to be able to address the problems, you have to know what you're beginning from. And so, you know, to as a simple starting point or a simple example, um, you can begin by taking this time to document your budget in great detail so that you can understand what your expenses are and potentially see if there's any places to cut back. Um, sometimes the solutions may be drastic as, you know, downsizing your living accommodations or moving in with friends or family or things like that. Um, but you, you can't know how to address the problems if you don't know what they are first. And so that would be one. Um, similarly, on the, on the assets and liabilities side, I encourage everyone to create, um, you know, some sort of a balance sheet and you can, you know, whether it, you can look at it and say, does it, does it make sense to sell any assets that I might have to, to maybe potentially pay down high interest rate debt? Um, are there any ways to consolidate debt at lower interest rates? Um, any, any things like that. But in order to, to, to get to know that it's important to put them all down in one place. And there are software applications that you can get that can help you with this. Um, they're free applications, but, um, but it's important to address things and to understand the big picture. Um, at the same time, if you've done all of that and you're still looking for, for, for more help, you might also enlist um, a financial planner who specializes in budgeting and is familiar with the many new rules for 2000 that the IRS and the Treasury Department have put together to help people deal with this financial crisis. Um, I don't, I, that actually is not a part of my practice. So I'm not, not, not preaching for you know, anyone like myself on that, but, but it, it, there are so many rules and, and I think most consumers don't have a, a full understanding of them. Certainly people have heard about the PPP loans for small business owners and things like that, but there are lots of rules that are designed to make things easier for individual consumers who have been impacted in a big way by the pandemic. So, go ahead. Yeah, there are so many consumers that have been affected, as you were talking about, JR, uh, especially those people. I work in the tourism industry. Tourism has been affected in many parts around the country, especially where it's the number one industry. And you're looking at many people who are out of jobs or many people who have had their hours cut in half. So what the, you're saying, the advice that you're giving is you know, where do you start with an inventory about where are you right now? And I really liked what you said about downsizing. That can, that can actually relate to anyone, not just uh, anyone affected. We're all affected by this economic crisis that we're going through right now. And for you to also share with us about consolidating debt, um, what, that's great advice. And uh, 
and also, you know, many people right now, they're also moving in with relatives. Um, you know, we see multi-generational housing if someone has lost their job to give them time to regroup and to restart because at some point, and I'm going to ask you this, uh, the economy will open up again. And what is your feeling about that as well, JR? About the economy opening up? Yeah. Well, um, I'm entirely optimistic. This, this, you know, people ask why is the stock market doing so well in this environment? You know, what does doesn't it see that all these people are out of work? The sort of the reason for that is that companies in general and the markets in general are resilient. There's always a profit motive and there's always a constant state of disruption going on. Now the disruption may be greater now, but um, one, one of the reasons that, one of the ways that this current crisis is different from prior economic downturns, like that the 2000 to 2002 was a major economic downturn. And that, during that period of time, I don't mean to keep talking about the stock market, but the stock market lost more than 50% of its value over a three year period of time. In 2008, 2009, we had the, or 2007 to 2009, really, we had you know, a global financial crisis that, that really was, you know, we were staring into the abyss. We didn't know if the policy decisions that were being made at that time would actually be successful. And um, so those were different a little bit in that there was no end in sight. You couldn't see when those crises might end. Um, we had terrorism in 2011, you know, with 2011, that were, people didn't know, was that just the beginning of how bad things would be? So you, that what's a little bit different, and I don't mean to, it's, I'm not sure it's optimistic, I'm not sure there's anything optimistic about the pandemic, but is that it is, there is a finite end to it, really, and there will be a vaccine at some point, the, the treatment options will get better. This is not a permanent affliction. Now, the recovery may take a while, but what you will see is that, um, there is a Darwinian nature to business, and there are certainly some businesses that don't deserve to go out of business that are just just bad luck at the wrong place at the wrong time. Certainly, restaurants and bars um, are be an example of that, and large retail stores and things like that. But there there will always be new entrants to that space, and there are companies that are actually benefiting from that. And you can see even like Zoom is an example. Everyone is very comfortable. People who have never thought of doing a Zoom conference six months ago or a year ago, everybody's doing it now. Everybody's Grandma and grandpa is doing Zoom calls now. Um, so some of the disruption will and will be evolutionary that you know there'll be business will change, but it won't necessarily be gone. And it might in, and certain things might actually be for the better. Um, so I that that's how we see this unfolding. And whether it's six months or a year or three years, we don't know, but it is finite and it and you know, it's not going to make the suffering that people are going through any better, but there is an end in sight and, and there will be, you know, this is not the end of permanent end of the global economy. I think that's the message that, that people need to hear right now, that there is going to be an end to this, that this is not going to continue, that there will be an upswing at some point. And JR, as you know, a lot of people have been nesting at home, spending a lot more time uh, doing home improvement projects and also taking up hobbies such as cooking and, and other uh, sewing, whatever you want to say, learning more on the internet. Um, is there an equivalent nesting activity for financial planning? Yeah, there sort of is. And, and, and uh, I'll also just share from personal experience. I, I think that affects a lot of us. In, in Hawaii, we've had two periods of time where we've been on lockdown. 
Um, and during that first period when everything was on, we did the same things that everybody else did. We started gardens. Um, I had my kids painting everything in sight to, to get us caught up on home improvement projects that we weren't ever going to get to before. Um, I built the tool shed equivalent of the leaning tower of Pisa. Um, and, 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 and I'm so proud of it. I mean, you can stand on the roof and it won't fall over. It just looks a little funny, but it's it's not going to be an architectural digest, but it's, uh, but you know, a lot of people actually found things like that. There were, you know, they were kind of actually even sometimes really just nice. You know, this, that time you get to spend with your family that you might not have otherwise had together. Um, so there was that. But in terms of things that you can do, personal finance would be the same thing. It's one of those home improvement projects that you just, yeah, you're meaning to get to it. You know, you should do it, but you don't. This is the time to do that sort of stuff. Nesting for your finances is no different than you know, doing all those other things. So it is a time to, to you know, Get to learn a couple of software applications that help you organize your all of your all of your finances. The, I, the days of paper document storage are our history. People need to have everything organized and centralized. They can see all their accounts in one place, store all their documents in one place. Hopefully, cloud-based backup or cloud-based storage. Um, now is the time to get organized on all that stuff. So that's uh, it's an easy time to do. People have the time available to do it. That this that's a great home improvement project. It's a great life improvement project. And you mentioned software applications. Earlier in the show, you talked about mint.com. Can you explain that a little bit more to us? Because I haven't gone there. I'm not familiar with it. And maybe some of our listeners, like myself, since you mentioned it, are going to check it out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, in our Inspire You and Me, I mentioned um, yeah. uh, mint as, a, as an application that uh, is good for you. It's free application. Intuit, the software maker, they make TurboTax. They own mint.com and it's an it's an account aggregation tool and a, and a budgeting tool basically you can link all your accounts at all of your financial institutions your credit cards your bank accounts your investment accounts your 401k and link them so that they update every day and you can see all of your you can see all of your finances in one place they also have some pretty cool budgeting software that goes with it anybody can sign up for that for, it's free um, the downside of it is you get barraged by advertising and solicitations but but the the, the application itself is pretty good um, personal capital is another one uh, similarly you know, there's an agenda behind it, but it's, it's a great place to organize your financial information online. Um, and in my own practice, we use an application like that um, called eMoney, where there, there's no advertising solicitation because I paid a subscription, but it's a tool that allows people to store all their documents, organize all their documents, budget, see everything in one place. Um, it's, it's called eMoney that we use, but it's only available to financial advisors. Um, but it's, it's it, the ability... These days, a financial plan is not a document. It is a platform. And it's a platform that makes it easy for you to organize and monitor and maintain your plan over time. That's what a real financial plan is. And yeah, that's so there are DIY tools for it. There are tools that advisors have that do the same sort of thing. But that is what a financial plan is. That is such great advice that you just gave us about mint.com because what you said a few minutes ago is that people are moving away from paper and going more mm-hmm. into software applications. And I guess you, you're going to see that in more and more these days. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, sort of a funny story on that. I remember, um, remember when we had the missile, the fake missile attack on yes, Hawaii? Yeah. yeah. So there was a client told me a story. She had one of her friends during that time. We all, we all thought we had maybe minutes to live. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So one of the, one of the things that um, she said she was talking with a friend of hers who spent that time before we found out that the missile launch was a mistake. Uh, it wasn't actually even a real missile launch. It was just Hawaii incompetence. But um, but the um, she said that she she I was talking with her friend who was spent the time in her bathroom in a bathtub taking photos of her finances to email to her son so that he knew that if something happened to her, that she had this, you know, where to look to find stuff and that she oh had all God. these assets. That's probably not the time when you should be doing your plan. No. <laughs> and, uh, but terrible. this, uh, you know, if, <laughs> hey, a hurricane could come and you could wipe out your paper files. If you've got everything in cloud-based storage these days, it's pretty secure. You can access it anywhere, anytime. And, and so, yeah, it's a, that, that was a good teaching lesson for and a good experience to share about uh, make that, that, that concept of having everything organized in a digital format, uh, why that's important. But you also have to let somebody know where it's at, right? I mean, it's yeah. good to have it on the cloud, but be sure to tell somebody if you're not here. Yeah, I mean, that's what I tell people too in the, in the financial planning stuff that we're doing that, um, you know, um, if you, one client told me once that their their attorney has everything, well, their attorney, had, it turned out we looked into it, their attorney had died five years earlier. It wouldn't have done any good for people to, so, um, you know, people aren't, your, your heirs might not be going through you, all of your finance finances, um, on your, in your paper files or on your computer to find it. It is helpful to have a succession plan in place, uh, whether it's notification through your financial advisor or other heirs who know that you have these applications and have access to them and things like that. Yeah, it's very important. Well, JR, we're winding down now for our first inaugural show. Can you briefly give us a teaser? What's going to come up in the next couple of shows? Briefly. Sure. So, yep. Next show, I think the title is um, "How the Sausage Is Made: An Insider's View of Financial of the Financial Advice Business." Um, after that, I think we're going to do the fire playing with fire, a critical look at the financial independence retire early movement, and um, we got a whole bunch of other shows. Like there's, there's one on DIY on DIY investing. I haven't figured out the order yet, but everything's going to be catchy. Everything's going to be engaging. If you like this show, you'll like the next ones even more. And we want to thank our listeners today for tuning in to My Two Cents. I'm Jessica Lonnie Rich, joined by J.R. J- Robinson. <laughs> Please join us again next time for our wonderful show on financial planning. Aloha. Thank you for tuning in this week to My Two Cents. Be sure to join J.R. Robinson and Jessica Lonnie Rich again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, aloha. Aloha.